the trauma healing learnings based on one mom's journal entries recorded in real time from a catastrophic event with her son that you've been listening to in the blink of an eye story. Trauma Healing Learnings, Season 2, Seeking Answers. Life can change in the blink of an eye. Hello, everyone. I am delighted you like the Instagram Trauma Healing Learnings at Blink of an Eye Pod. We attempt to present information from the episodes in easy, quick formats and love that you are helping others by reposting and forwarding to your friends. I thought we could focus today on advocacy. I have been inspired by the many of you who have taken the time to write me about what you have learned about advocacy from the blink of an eye story. Oh yeah, advocacy, it's a critical component to navigating your way through the trauma maze, especially in hospitals and ICUs. I love how you are realizing a new way to advocate in medical situations. That is so beautiful to hear. And I want to encourage you to continue advocating in relational ways, in medical situations, and in life. And please keep writing me at louise at blinkofaneyepodcast.com. I am inspired by your stories and your insights. In the companion story, you know these days were very difficult at Atlantic Care. I had to remind myself of my North Star to get Archer Sempt out of the ICU so he could live a life. Well, that meant he had to live enough to get him out of the ICU, weaned off of many chest tubes, his lungs stable enough that a ventilator could be used to help him breathe and his heart strong enough that he did not flatline in the nights with regular heart attacks. How to help his body overcome these hurdles was not clear to our medical team, and there were differing opinions. So keeping the big picture in mind while you simultaneously focus on the tactical parts is an effective way to go. In trauma, that big picture might be, this will get better. That was part of my big picture, and it was given to me as a reminder gift from other families I was beginning to meet who had experienced spinal cord injury who had reached out to me. I am forever grateful. So... Advocacy lesson number one, believe in what is possible. This goes a long, long way in trauma healing too. And if you are the person supporting someone else in crisis, believe this for them and remind them regularly that everything is possible, including the truth 
that life does get better. It does. One of the reasons for effective advocacy is a genuine positive outlook. An outlook that believes you have to fight for everything will miss opportunities for human connection, which is what really moves the ball forward or gets people on the same page. Which brings me to advocacy lesson number two. No advocacy is effective long-term if you can't bring others along with you. They need to see and join you in the same North Star with the ability to also see what is possible. It was on this day in the companion story that I began a very intentional search for someone on the medical team to partner with me as I wanted to make decisions together. I knew it was impossible to move Archer forward without the medical team working with us to make that happen. It wasn't that they were not as interested as we were in giving Archer good medical care. It was that we were looking at the big picture of what it would take for Archer to get out of ICU and to thereafter thrive. That's a different North Star than just getting someone out of a situation. Because there can be decisions made short term that are not as well thought through for long term. I think medical teams could benefit from collaboration, not only with each other for better decision making when they're so siloed, but for collaboration with families. Families know what their lives are and what they are headed back into. So many people crash after being discharged from ICUs because they don't have the support to maintain their care or implants or procedures, or they have become addicted to narcotics which defeats the purpose in some ways of doing all you can to keep the body alive in the hospital, but killing the mind and the spirit in the process. Collaboration is not that novel. It's just what I call counter-egoic. You know what I mean. It's counter to our egos. It's easy to say we don't have the time or the resources to collaborate, just get out of my way. No, we need to bring people along. And the best way to do that is through engagement. So I had asked for meetings with individual medical specialists so we could get clear on what each saw was the best next step from their specialty perspective. You can do this too. I also, though, asked for meetings with doctors and surgeons all together so we could come up with a plan that did not create problems, secondary problems, as they call them in medicine, that could have been averted had one hand just known what the other was doing. It's the same approach I take in our larger group mediation facilitations. First, I meet one-to-one and then with the whole group. You know, I figured if it works for others, 
why not in an ICU too? And that brings me to lesson number three. Once assembled and engaged, and sharing again your North Star, and listening for their goals, or what they identify as the barriers, ask a lot of questions. Yes, discernment begins with listening, and listening is enhanced by genuine questions posed. This is how we can seek answers and get clear to move the ball forward. These are all relational ways to advocate and relational ways further your healing journey. I think the choice to be more relational likely furthers the trauma healing journey of others too. That's all part of what I like to think of as relational reciprocity, where you impact others and they impact you. We can talk more about that another day. But back to advocacy. We usually think we have to amp up the volume to have impact when we advocate, usually because we're afraid something important will not be heard or will be blocked or will not happen. Well, what we really want to do is to amp up the energy for relational advocacy. Turn up your light. When we are in medical situations, it's really a relational responsibility to advocate on behalf of those we care about and ourselves. And when we do, those whom we are trying to convince or bring along to help us or to change are often more illuminated and even made better for the experience too even if it is a little rough at times and difficult, all because you believe in what is possible. You have a North Star and you bring people together. Relational advocacy. It's all in the way we do it. Oh, some of you might be asking, what is being relational? Well, for those of you who have read the book, Being Relational, you know that being relational is each time you make a choice that is good for you and for someone else. A choice that does not maximize what you want to the detriment of others. And it might be a choice to help others work towards making their choices, not to maximize their self-interest to the detriment of others. Being relational is believing in human capacity and what is possible. And if you're like me and see that we are all made in divine image, even our enemies, being relational is believing in divine capacity as well. Well, back in 2015, about three weeks in the ICU after Archer's injury, something else was also happening to me. 
as I was getting clearer about how to negotiate with the medical maze and the system, which truly is a foreign system to anyone who has not worked in a hospital or ICU. So what was happening for me was an awareness that I knew about advocacy and engagement. Indeed, I had been immersed in that knowledge. You see, back in 2015, after over 20 years of working with advocacy and conflict in a transformative relational way, Billy and I had just finished three years of writing our book, Being Relational. It was finished and literally in our publisher's hands when Archer had his accident. We had been thinking about and writing about ways to be relational for a number of years. And Billy and I, we had purposefully been trying to live more relationally in more intentional ways ourselves for at least 10 years before Archer's accident. And then we challenged ourselves to see if we could get very clear by writing it out and putting it all together for any reader. An amalgamation of what I had learned from so many other thoughtful writers, plus our own layer of relational conflict theory to pull it all together into a workable framework to rely on and grow into daily. That's why we called it Being Relational, The Seven Ways to Quality Interaction and Lasting Change. It was for a broad spectrum of people, intended for high schoolers on the sports field or on social media, to U.S. policymakers and international diplomats. And then Archer was injured. And we were faced with all these medical professionals who spoke a different language and seemed to operate in a siloed system in transactional ways rather than relational ways. I knew they were just being human beings too. I also knew that maybe they didn't know any other way. It was amazing to me on the look back how much of a miraculous convergence it was that years of daily practice and those three years of writing were enough for us to stay sustained through the ICU experience and enough to inform me in knowing the value of having a North Star to be relational to believe in what was possible and to bring people together at Atlantic Care, even when they were siloed or even when they were at odds with us and to listen and to ask a lot of questions so that relational choices could be made. I hope you too might do this for your loved ones and for yourself if you are in a complicated medical situation. 
it will likely take some advocacy. But you know how to do that. It really does begin with believing what is possible and bringing people together. And then it truly is listening and an answering process again and again. And you might not always like what you hear and what you learn, but if you stay centered, grounded, clear, kind, and humble, you will get answers. Yes, seeking answers in relational ways paves the way for more thoughtful and thought through decisions. And it benefits both sides. It really does. As you, or in our case, as I, on behalf of Archer, got clearer. And as our medical team got clearer. And our cardiac surgeon got clearer too. Which you can hear. And that never before played in real time, real life audio recording in the companion story. Doing the best you can usually involves a thoughtful process. And for me, trying to make relational choices, well, it's changed my life over the years. I hope it changes yours too, especially if you find yourself in trauma, crisis, or other very stressful event. Life can change in the blink of an eye. Life is precious. Sending love. Hope for everything. Obtain everything. Thank you for tuning in to the Trauma Healing Learnings. You may tune in to the companion blink of an eye story at episode 11, Seeking Answers. And thank you for listening. And thank you for telling your friends. Together, we are raising the vibration for healing. You've been listening to Blink of an Eye. We ask that you share this with anyone who may need inspiration, a lift, or who may relate. Never miss an episode. Listen on our website, blinkofaneyepodcast.com, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.